Have you had trouble finding a healthcare provider that really understands the needs of runners? Created by physicians, therapists, and trainers, runcare.org, this week's sponsor for the Doctors of Running podcast, aims to solve that problem by providing a nationwide list of recommended providers who specialize in working with runners. Each provider in the RunCare network has been vetted and evaluated so you know that you're visiting someone who knows the value of your training and lifestyle. The list currently features over 50 doctors and physical therapists across the U.S. and is expanding to have providers in all 50 states. RunCare's goal, first and foremost, is to get runners connected with the care they need. Visit RunCare.org today to learn more. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Doctors of Running podcast, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, talk about the art and the science of the things that we put on our feet. Tonight is me and Dr. Salas, who are going to do a this or that episode, which I'm really, really excited for. But first, we obviously have to talk about not really the elephant in the room, but the big thing in the room. This is being recorded the day after the 2024 Olympic marathon trials, which was quite the sight to see. We all have different reasons for watching it. There are those of us people that we know, those of us who are kicking out watching what shoes are being worn. It was very interesting to see who and what ended up on the podium. So Dr. Celeste, I want to throw this to you to start this out. So what, what were your big takeaways and impressions just watching the trials yesterday? Dude, that race was awesome. I mean, that yeah. had like all the drama you could ever want. Like, and it was funny because we were talking. So we had a viewing party with me and some of my friends. We were up, you know, and on the West Coast, it's seven o'clock for the start time. So I'm over there at six something a.m. at my friend's house. And um, we have this viewing party and the gun goes off and the men's race ends up being a little bit more tactical. They go out about five flat pace, which for them is doable. You know, I mean, that's like 210 to 11 pace, give or take. Um, and then the women's race, they just hit the gun immediately. You know, like they just like start hammering and like didn't want to leave anything to chance. And it was just fun watching and seeing how that race developed because there were certain guys or gals that you would kind of expect to be in the mix or around certain areas. And for however the race played out, maybe it didn't work out to their strengths. Some people stepped up in huge ways. You know, it was just a fun race. And then also like personally knowing some of the people that were um, in that race and in having some level of coverage like you're watching that and and you're rear rooting for them and you're like oh my god like let's go let's go you know um so it was a lot of fun i i think i was watching it more ironically from the spectator standpoint of the race itself and i really wasn't looking at anybody's shoes i know that at the i was very, at the at the women's race yeah. when it ended i was like oh my god puma is gonna be so happy with oh, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't exactly looking at their footwear during the race. I was looking more at the athletes and like Fiona Akif, like she was such a good athlete at Stanford and it was kind of cool to see her in her debut be like putting it down on the marathon on Emily Sisson. It's like, wow, that is really hard to do. So I think I was more in awe of the actual like race itself and what the athletes were willing to put themselves through. And Dakota Lindworm put down a, an amazing race. I mean, oh my goodness, the grit on that race was phenomenal and i think that honestly is probably one of the bigger stories um but same with o'keefe like putting it down when she did from as far out as she did like that is not a move you make when you have emily sisson right behind you and so all the credit to her she did it and held her off more than held her off she beat her like pretty decisively 
And so that was the that was a really cool race. It was to watch. Trials Trials record, right? Trials she, record and a debut yeah, that marathon. Was that was her first time That's running. That's insane. That. Yeah. So for her to go and just like full send that thing and like whatever yeah. happens happens you know yeah. like like that's bad respect. To lose. yeah um, on the men's side i feel like it was it was kind of what a lot of people expected to some degree um i don't think a lot of people expected zach panning to go out the way he did but he made the race and he he did a great job and he put it all out there and i don't think if you're listening out there like you did a phenomenal job, man. That was a that was a great race. Like I I felt bad watching that last five k, but you can't feel bad knowing you put everything out there and you put yourself in a position to be in that top three, and it just didn't happen on the day. Because um, that's the beauty see, of the marathon, though. That's yeah, like you like never you know what's going to happen. You can be the best trained person in the world, and you know it's kind of there. There is a certain amount people might not like this, but there's a certain amount of luck because you never know. How are you totally. going to feel? What the condition is going to be like? You know, if you time, you can practice your nutrition, all that stuff, but things happen. And so it's it's kind of the combination of being the best prepared you can, but you also have to walk away proud going, I gave it everything I had. This is where the cards landed, you know. So that was interesting to me. But, yeah, not to interrupt you on that. No, no, you're good. Yeah. And, but it was a good race. I mean, obviously, yeah, like, great. Connor Mance and Clayton Young were kind of one-two. I mean – like they they were pretty decisively ahead of everyone else, but it was an interesting race for third, fourth, and fifth. And uh, sorry that you didn't get under two ten, CJ. That <laughs> I was cheering very, very hard for you to get under that mark. But um, yeah, like that was a really cool race to watch. So from my perspective, I being the footwear geek. Um, it was very interesting to see who podiumed. And I, I do also recognize, again, it is not all about the shoes. This is just me being a shoe geek. And there are so many other factors that go into this. It was very interesting to see two Pumas. So we got our first really true good look at the DV8 Nitro Elite 3 on the two wonderful Puma athletes. It is interesting to me that Emily Sisson is still running and what looks like a prototype. Yeah, well, no, is no, it a pacer not, it though? It should be the SC Pacer. I mean... That's not, thing. that does not, if, it's okay, not a pacer it, though. But it's, then it's, it better it does not look because like they're going to be breaking laws. <laughs> like, I thought the new rule was it race, could be out for like 12 months. Like, I think they have 12 months to get it out. Is that true? I don't know. She's been saying that she's been racing in the SC Pacer for a minute now. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't look like an SC Pacer. It looks like a Piba or Pbax foam. It looks well, thicker it than so. a Pacer. Well, well, I mean, but it's the new, whatever the it, new stuff, it's probably whatever new stuff they've been using that's now coming out in the newest shoes it's probably been there but it looks like a higher stack modified sc pacer which i get but it doesn't look well, it may who, maybe yeah. it'll be releasing soon then if it maybe. is not the sc pacer but yeah it the, the sc pacer is there's an sc pacer 2 coming out but it looked different to me somebody quote tell me if i'm wrong but that was well, cool it was, is, it, but again, racing yeah. it it's got a release it's it, i guess it does right because that's the new yeah. rule i think yeah someone so quote it's me either going to be a limited release or something but it's going to come out so whatever it yeah. is it's going to have to i was looking this up i think this the new rule was it has to be released within 12 months i believe but again somebody check me on that maybe that that might be our subjective the men's side i also thought was was somewhat interesting that we are still seeing so many people choose the original Alpha Fly. It was like Connor Mance was or I'm saying that right, was was wearing the OG Alpha Fly. I think Galen was too, I think. Was yeah, I, I apologize. I didn't I didn't pay attention to Galen because I was yeah, sorry Galen. 
good kudos to him. But um, was he though? I think he was. I'm pretty Maybe. sure. I don't know. I didn't see. It was interesting to see the winner be wearing the Alpha Fly one. And this goes back to what Andre and I were talking about in terms of preferences. You see a ton of people wearing the Alpha Fly three. Sometimes it made me wonder, like, hey, is it just accessibility or is it just that you really prefer that ride so much more? And there was enough people that I noticed at the trail still wearing version one, not version two. But version one to go, huh? I always, I wonder if someday Nike might do a re-release just because version one has been so popular. I'm very interested in Asics' new lineup, which I'm guessing Clayton Young was wearing the MetaSpeed Sky Two, but I don't know for sure if that's Sky or Edge or what that is. But I'm really curious because the foams look look different. I really want to see what's coming up, and then. Obviously, Leonard Career, that was really exciting to watch him at, like get the, crush the finish line after getting fourth uh, last during the last trials and have him be really excited. And was very really like if you if you haven't got a chance to watch his response after he finishes, like it's such a heartfelt uh, speech. And I really encourage you. It was just yeah, a lot of emotion. It was a very cool trials, but it was also cool to see what people were wearing, what ended up on the podium, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more stuff. I mean, it was surprising the. Things missing from the podium, I guess, didn't surprise me not to see any Adidas because Adidas typically tends to be much more international. Um, Nike doesn't surprise me. A little Asics. A Puma now with their stuff isn't as surprising, but seeing two was really, really good. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was interesting on all fronts to be both a shoe geek and obviously a running nerd as well. So I think that was really good. Our subjective today is going to be, what did you think of the trials? Whether you are a shoe geek like me or a phenomenal running connoisseur like David, what were your big thoughts in terms of shoes and people what was most exciting to you? So we're now, after 10 solid minutes talking about trials, we're going to do our this or that episode. A lot of this, we're going to have a little explosion on the Saucony Endorphin Speed 4 because that's what we have. We don't have the Endorphin Pro. Hoping that comes through. And when we do, we'll we'll try to get some miles on that or I'll have to buy it at some point. We'll see. But Saucony Endorphin Speed 4 was just released, something we've got a lot of miles on. I have 100 miles on them, and this is the result of my outsole. David, how many miles do you have in your pair? Uh, not quite as many. I'm probably somewhere in that forty-ish uh, range. Probably. That's great. I've yeah. had a pretty you, large influx of shoes to review, so I've kind yeah, of been doing what I can. Yeah, but, I got this earlier when you were working and we're running your uh, marathon, so that's not quite fair. You did take it on trail though, so this is we'll do yeah, a, a man, trail it actually review. Did yeah, really well. I mean, kidding. there's some dirt on that. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do our this or that. So our first. This or that right now is going to be for a general performance trainer comparing the Saucony Endorphin Speed 4 to the Adidas Boston 12. So, David, you take it off first. If you had to choose this or that, which one are you choosing and why? That is such a spicy question, man. It is. Because I I love the Adidas Boston 12. Those that have been following us know that that was one of my tempo trainers of the year last year or performance trainers, whatever you want to call it, lightweight trainer. Boston 12, kind of a firmer base with the light strike, but you have a good healthy chunk of light strike pro through the heel and the forefoot, bouncy toe off, sharp toe spring. It's rigid, but it still has some flexibility to it. It's not carbon plated. Um, You know, performance lockdown, it's a performance trainer through and through, and it's one that I've used for a lot of things. I can say for pretty much everything I just said for the Boston 12, can kind of apply to the Endorphin Speed 4, and except for that firmer base. So the Power Run PB is noticeable through the entire midsole. 
the plate has been firmed up a little bit vertically so that you have a little bit more uh, rigidity through it and some snappiness. The One of the things I noticed immediately on the Endorphin Speed 4 was the traction is immensely better. Um, oh, yeah. That lattice They design, did a really great job with that. Yeah. I, it's honestly one of my favorite outsoles that I've probably run in for a performance shoe. Um, the connectivity to the ground is better. The stack height, I think, is the same, right? I don't think it changed. I think it's like 36. I don't think it did, like yeah. yeah. 36, 28, I think it's the same, yeah. Yeah. Uh, upper is a little bit more comfortable. Feels surprisingly plush for how airy it is. Um, but what I will say from an experience standpoint, they both have lively toe-offs. They're both fun. But a lot of what I liked about the Boston 12 applies to the Endorphin Speed 4, but it's also like, what, three ounces lighter or something like that? It's quite a bit. Between the Boston 12 and the Speed 4. Speed 4 is It's not that bad. Speed 4 is 8.2 ounces. Boston, I think, is 9.5 ounces. I thought it was like low nines. No, it's not. No, no, no. You're thinking of the of 10 and 11 that was like 10 and a half plus ounces. So the 12 okay. came down right. quite a bit. They did a better job. Yeah. So it's closer than I thought. Um, what I will say, though, in responsiveness, the Speed 4, I felt comfortable running on the track with, and I felt running fast and really turning over in. I can't say the same for the Boston 12, where the Boston 12 felt more like a long run um tempo i mean it it responds obviously like if i'm running marathon pace i'm running five something per mile like it's still like a good amount of speed under it but it uh i feel like i can run sub five minute pace in the endorphin speed four much more comfortably than i can run that in the boston 12 uh i feel like that power mpb is just a little bit more responsive i feel like that plate just digs in more and i think the traction underfoot it's Almost like that, the, the, the lattice structure is almost like you can feel it gripping the ground under you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does, yeah, definitely. Where like you still get that in the Boston, but there's also just, I don't know, there's a lot of Electric Pro and it just, it feels like it's more dependent on the rocker that it has versus the Endorphin Speed 4, where it has a little bit more flex to it and it just feels a little bit flatter. Like it feels like you can really dig into that forefoot more. Yeah. So maybe that's what I'm getting uh, out there. Um, that might why, be why I can feel like it's a little bit more responsive and I can run a little faster in the speed four. Got so, generally so generally speaking, yeah, which one do you pick? I'm actually going to pick the speed four. I think the speed wow. four was yeah. head and shoulders above the speed three yep. for me personally. I actually yeah. really like the speed four and I think it's like one of the shoes I've been looking for for a while. And I, as much as I love the Boston 12, I feel like I can do everything that I like in the Boston 12 in the speed four and then some. So I feel like it just it just wins. I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. That you know I, I really like the speed three. The only challenge I had to it was that it didn't. I didn't feel like it has as much versatility into faster workouts, and I feel like the speed four totally fixed that. Where not only is it a, is it a shoe that I could do easy runs in, which I know isn't how it was really supposed to be like that's not really wasn't his intended purpose this round from what i understand it was supposed to be more of like okay this is just a more flexible or less stiff super shoe i still felt really comfortable doing long runs easy runs any kind of workout you could imagine i felt really 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 good in it and so i think as a general performance trainer i like it better the way the heels designed it kind of it's a little clunky at first and i think i mentioned that in our written review but as it breaks in it feels kind of fairly stable for a shoe that's 
you know, pretty soft with Piva and like, again, midfoot narrows, nothing crazy. They're all side, our sidewalls, but the heel feel and heel and a little bit midfit feels better for me. The uh, Boston 12, I actually feel the opposite of you where I have struggled to use this on long runs because that lateral uh, uh, projection of the rides really forces me medial so i can't handle this shoe for longer runs because that pushes me over and the midfoot super narrow so that takes away any of the stable feeling of the prior two versions even though it's much lighter so i actually found this shoe a lot better for really fast workouts so like very short tempo runs really fast intervals stuff like that the boston actually worked a lot better for me but it lost that versatility into a training shoe because of the, the stability thing. So people that need like lateral stability, like if you tend to like you go too far lateral, you supinate a lot, history of ankle sprains, this shoe might work really well for you. If you're me, because I need the opposite, it didn't work as well for longer stuff, work for really fast, snappy stuff. The Speed 4 had more of that versatility where I could train in it comfortably, even though that might not be how it's intended. Um and did long run, long easy runs, really comfortable as well as workouts. So for me, the gen- as a general performance chamber, the speed for kind of wins. Although I think in Saucony's line, I feel like the way that they're advertising it, the Kinvara uh, Pro actually might be the better general performance trainer and better comparison to the Adidas Boston 12. But before the Pro was available, that was the major one. So Endorphin Speed 4 still wins for me. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because one of the things I like about the Boston 12 is that it does pitch you medially like that. Like, yeah. When Different opinion. As, yeah, right? exactly. And yeah. it's just running experience, yeah. mechanics, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're both in agreement there. Yep. So let's see if we agree on this next one. For long run workouts, we're going to have Saucony Endorphin Speed 4 versus the Hoka Mach X. What do you think of that? I'll throw it to you again first. Yeah, I've had long run workouts in both. And um, I'm still going to go with the Speed 4. I think it just works with my mechanics well, Um, especially with long runs. Like, who knows what kind of footing you're going to be on. Um I mean, granted, it's a workout, so you're probably going to try and keep it mostly road and runnable surfaces. But I feel like if there's a lot of variance, a lot of kind of change of direction, like I, I feel much more grounded in the Speed 4. I will say the Mach X has a much more rockered ride, and it does still have a bouncy toe off with that kind of half Peba midsole that it has. And it's very lively. It's still a really good shoe. I just think for my own mechanics, I do like the way the Endorphin Speed 4 runs. Um, it would not surprise me at all if, you know, this time next year, I'm still talking about the speed four to some degree. I think it's just one of those shoes that works well for me. Um, so all bias aside there, um, I think the geometry is going to be, it's going to be dependent on what the runner wants from a geometry standpoint, because the speed four, even though it does have that speed roll, it's not quite as rockered as some of these other shoes. And there's a little bit of flexibility to it and you kind of have, this forefoot, like almost like pulling sensation when you get over onto it, you don't have as much of that rocker ride where you're kind of rolling forward or falling forward. It's a little bit more dependent on you. Whereas in the Mach X, that's the exact opposite. It's very, you know, rocker forward on the forefoot there and you have a big rolling sensation and it'll bounce through there. So um, I don't know. There's not really a wrong answer here. They both are really good. It just depends on the experience that you want. And for me personally, um, I can get some hip flexor and some hamstring sensitivity with these really rockered shoes if I'm running long times in them. 
So the Speed 4 is just a little bit more of a balanced offering for me. And for me, I respond better to that. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Um, I really wanted to like the Mach X. I really didn't. It's ironic. It uses a P-Bax plate. Is that correct? Am I saying that right? It's a P-Bax plate, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's actually one of the stiffer rides that I've ever experienced. And I talked about that in the review. Just because something's not carbon plated doesn't mean it's not necessarily stiff. This is so stiff. And I think it was actually a little bit too stiff for me. And I found myself limited to short, faster runs with it. Whereas, again, you hit the head, hit the nail on the head. Actually, I've done a ton of long run workouts in this shoe where, you know, after nine miles of pushing a stroller with Isabella that all of a sudden I'll go do a three mile tempo run with her. And the speed four really transitions nicely between those things again, because I think it really has that versatility. The Mach X is a shoe that I think if you really like the stiff rocker rides from Hoka, this is going to do really, really well for you. And you're probably going to like this. Um, I on longer, faster runs kind of prefer a little bit more flexibility just from going from easy to fast stuff. Although I'm sure if I was doing a marathon, I'd start running in carbon plated stuff more just to get my body ready. If this is something that you want to try, I think it is, it does have some versatility if you like stiffer stuff. But again, for me, just the comfort, uh, especially at toe off in the endorphin speed four and the ability to transition between easy and fast just makes it my preferred, uh, long run workout shoe and that's what it has been that's how i got 100 miles on it so i'm i'm definitely with you on that and because we're agreeing too much and i like drama because i think people (laughs) like listening to that i'm going to try to throw a couple other options in here to see what you think so this is going to be now our non-carbon plated half marathon to marathon racer so i'm going to throw out a couple different options here we're going to do asic super blast uh endorphin speed four we're gonna throw the adidas boston 12 back in there and heck we'll throw the mock x in there just for for giggles anything else you want to throw in there that's not carbon plated to make this interesting let's let's put this the the topo and i said topo right for those of you who criticize me on youtube um the topo cyclone 2 on there just just for giggles so what do you think can i can i add another shoe sure let's add something else in there Oh, let's add to – all right. And we have seen some people run some pretty fast marathons in the, even in the newest Takumi Sen. So Takumi Sen as well because it is not carbon plated, right? They're rods. I forget what they are, but it's not carbon. So which one do you think for half marathon to marathon racing? Actually, to know yeah, my answer. Because out, out of all of the options that we've had, I think for all of the reasons I've said, I still would choose the speed for not counting okay. the Takumi Sen, not counting the Takumi Sen. Like not, leading, I thought you were including that. No, no, hold on. Hold I thought on. you were gonna include it. Between the Super Blast, the Mach X, the Endorphin Speed, the Boston, okay. like all these performance trainers, I would probably yeah. go speed four. Uh, okay. Not carbon plated, the Takumi Sen does count in there. And that 33 yeah, so millimeters with the Light Strike Pro, that's why like it's a very you can throw that feel. In there. it's a very race ready feel for me. And it's a shoe that has worked really well for me in a lot of performance parameters, whether it's on the track or on road workouts. Um, I would go with the Takumi Sen 9 if I had to choose my non-carbon-plated marathon racing shoe. But that might be unstable for some. You know, it's a relatively more narrow platform that's undercut medially. Um, It's meant to go fast, you know, and it's not really, there's not that many other considerations for that shoe besides that. And so... If you need a little bit more stability, those other options might be better. But the Super Blast for me, 
it works really well as a long run shoe, but it feels a little bit clunky to me if I want to go and try and race a half marathon. Like when I get down to those kinds of paces, it just feels like it's a lot. Um, and the Mach X kind of the same thing where it's like a little overly stiff and rockered. And I, I, I just don't really feel that good running that half marathon pace in it. Um, versus the endorphin speed four, it feels pretty comfortable at that pace. So for me, it's a pretty easy endorphin speed four, unless we throw the Takumi Sen in there. But the only reason why I put that um, differentiation in there is because the Takumi Sen is meant to be a racing shoe, right? Like that is meant to be a top of the line racing shoe for 5K, 10K versus the Endorphin Speed 4 is kind of meant to be more of a versatile, you know, performance trainer. So that's the only reason why I kind of said without the Takumi Sen involved. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This is a pretty hard one for me, but I'm going to make a decision on this one. I know you said we're going into half marathon, but the need for versatility into the, versatility into the marathon, I am going to have to choose a super blast. Um, there's going to be a, if it, if it ever uploads, it's taking forever for some reason. Um, I have 200 miles on this pair and it, a, I have still not worn through the outsole and B I've used this for so many different types of runs and long runs have been one of those things where I can run pretty much as far as I want. My midfoot's not going to ache. I'm not going to get those usual kind of like that, like really bad fatigue. Like I'll get tired, but I don't get those aches associated with instability or like a loss of like bounciness over longer efforts. So, you know, if I had to do something tomorrow, I would definitely choose the Super Blast just because it's a shoe that I'm so comfortable with and I trust so much. Everything else, eh, I wouldn't. I We forgot to put in the Rebellion, uh, not the Rebellion, the uh, Flash, the Mizuno Rebellion. Yeah, yeah. No, Re- it is Rebellion, Rebellion Flash, Flash 2. 2. Flash 2, yeah. I no, forgot even still. about it. I can't I believe sorry. I forgot about it. I'm sorry, Mizuno. Excellent shoe and could easily be worn for a half marathon. We got to fix that. That <laughs> upper is non carbon plated. That's um, fair. I'm. St- I'm still choosing Super Blast. Um, and the reason I'd su- – the, the close one would be the Socket Endorphin Speed 4. But the reason I wouldn't choose it, although as I was comfortable with it over long runs, I did start getting that midfoot fatigue and ache as I started getting into longer effort. So while it's got that like really nice bounciness that I like, the Super Blast also has that. And so I would I, – from a comfort standpoint, would choose Super Blast over the Endorphin Speed 4 because I've actually been able to hit plenty of workouts. I think the Speed 4 has the edge – on being a little bit faster in terms of the responsiveness, but the comfort wise super blast, I trust more at those longer distances because I have taken it that far. So super blast wins out for me on that one. Now we're going to take a little break from running shoes for a second, just to let you cool off for a sec. Hopefully there's been good arguments at home and you're disagreeing and now having i I'm just kidding. So let's do some running stuff specifically. Do you prefer David to do easy long runs or long run workouts? That's a great question. I think long run workouts and <laughs> my reason for that. So you my, get over with faster? My, yeah, yeah. My long runs are usually 20 miles or more, depending if I'm in getting ready for a marathon. 20 miles easy can take a while and can get, feel like you're out there for a minute. Even if you're with friends and you're talking, it's like that. that's just a long time. Like sometimes if you can get a workout, granted, if it's like, you know, pretty close to the race and you're like doing more race specific stuff, you might be pretty dead by the end of that workout. But if we're talking like generic long run workout, um, I'd probably choose that where you still feel pretty good at the end, but it's over sooner. 
I don't know. I, I love running, but like, I also feel like there's a certain point where I'm like, I've been out here for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. I think I'm, I'm with you on that. I used to, the go-to was easy long runs. I never used to do workouts um, during long runs. And then when I met my wife, Regina, um, all she ever did was like half marathon, like 13 to 15 mile runs at like, like temp, like, like marathon or half, like not mar- not half marathon, but definitely there were always workouts involved. And I learned to kind of like that up tempo stuff. Cause yeah, it gets it done sooner. There, there's something to be said for run like easy long runs where you get to go explore somewhere new or you're chatting. But usually if it's by myself, I'm, I'm preferring those kind of a long run workout. It's usually it's an up tempo run where I just go for like. 12 13 have it be a little more a little faster but right now just because you know i always i almost always run with my wife um and plus pushing a stroller most of the runs are easy long runs right now out of just necessity but i think in the future as we start getting back together to faster stuff the long run workouts are definitely going to come back at least doing an up tempo so i'm going to say i prefer those longer run workouts i miss those but then you get wrecked too, and your brain—you can't think the rest of the day. So that's that's the other not side of it. I can if handle. you go a little too yeah. far into the well, you're screwed. It's like yeah, you're screwed. man, you're like, out of I commission can't. for the next few hours. It sucks. I cannot afford to not be able to think <laughs> for an entire Sunday. That's a classic. Uh, one, every day is a I got to get work done day. But yeah. So next thing we're gonna do is this is gonna let's hope maybe nah this won't stretching after workouts versus not stretching at all. What do you prefer? I'm not going to lie. I mean, it might be a little blasphemous. I don't really stretch much after runs. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually, I'm done. I'm I'm done, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. I, I'm usually going to work immediately after, you know, like shower, eat, get on the road. You know, I, I, I don't really allot too much time for that per se. Um, I think the better question would be before workouts or no stretching. Um, because if it's a workout, a true workout, I'm doing a lot of dynamic stretching. I'm doing a lot of A skips, B skips, strides, leg swings, you know, like just various different things. I don't do that karaoke that often. I do sometimes though, if I feel like I kind of want a little bit of lateral mobility, it just depends. Like, but if it's before a workout and like you bet I'm warming up for it, I'm not going to try and you know, I want the muscles to have that elasticity. I want to be able to bounce off my legs and feel good about it. I don't want to feel flat. Um, but afterwards, I can't say that I'm the best about that one. I wouldn't say it's best about just – I personally – I know that the evidence suggests if you're going to do static stretching, it be done afterwards, not beforehand because longer static stretching can actually lead to decreased power output before some kind of workout. Um, beforehand, doing like dy- – after before – that's uh wait where was i going with this my brain's not working <laughs> afterwards before dad. but after afterwards before <laughs> after so afterwards suggested before you don't do it as much i honestly don't stretch that much at all at this point because i'm not a tight person i think those people that tend to have a little extra tone and by tone i don't mean like oh you look muscular i mean like a little higher resistance to stretch in general like it's like some of these people that are off opposite of the hyper mobile people hypo mobile i think those individuals might benefit from some of this just because running is repetitive and may stiffen them up for me i don't have that issue so i kind of realized that stretching wasn't doing very much for me so if i'm gonna do something it's gonna be like dynamic mobility stuff beforehand like a lot of lunges a lot of drills things like that and same thing afterwards i find i do a lot better with stabilization exercises or drills that work on hip mobility and ankle stability so that's kind of what i do but in terms of like static stretching i really 
don't do it because I started testing it and found I didn't really feel a difference before afterwards. And so I know some people swear by it. And if it's working really, really well for you and it keeps you healthy as an individual, great. The evidence suggests for overall arching people, it really doesn't. But if it works for you, great. For me, it's not somebody that it really has made an impact on. And for me, my impairments generally tend to be stability stuff. So that's where I tend to focus my time in terms of warming down and cooling or warming up and cooling down. Wow, I cannot talk. Let's get back to shoes. Forget this. All right. So marathon racing flat. This is a really good one because we saw this at the trials and I was super curious. I would love to talk to somebody who chose one versus the other, but we're going to do a shoe that David's going to make fun of me if I mispronounce this. So comparing from marathon racing, the Hoka Rocket X2 and the Hoka Hoka Cielo Road or Cielo X1. David's making fun of me because I say Celio. It's Cielo, I think. I don't know. I can't pronounce anything. Yeah, I'm just going to put call this it, out there. It's not a Pokemon. It's a shoe. So. Yeah. <laughs> I call it Gaviota, too. So it's Gavoida for their stability shoes. So no, no, it's Gaviota. It's Gaviota. It is? Oh, God. No, it's not Gavoida. Like, you would say Gavoida, and we would keep telling you, say Gaviota. <laughs> <laughs> now you finally have it right, like, and Gavoida, you're convinced yeah, you have it screwing wrong. Up. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. Which one is it? Govoida? Gaviota. Gaviota. No, it is Gaviota. Govoida sounds like something my grandfather would have said. Like, oh, this my Govoida is in like a twist. I don't know what's going on. I can feel it Sorry. in my Govoida. I can feel it in my Govoida. Anyway, so David, since you're the one who most recently <laughs> ran a marathon, let's see if PJ cuts that out. Since you run, most recently run a marathon, uh, would you choose the Hoka Rocket X or the Cielo X1? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because they both are good shoes. The Rocket X2, it's not at the 40 millimeter stack height, right? It's a little bit lower. Right. It's like no. 30. It's a little bit below that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's 35, 36 in that yeah. realm. Yes. And it's a little bit wider. Uh, well, they're both wide, but like you have a lot of outside yeah. traction there. I feel like yeah. if the if you're looking for the stable option, quote unquote stable, the Def- Rocket yeah. X2 is probably going to be your choice. The Hocus Cielo X1 is a very interesting shoe. I mean, it's a very fun ride, and it's honestly one of the most responsive and fun things I've put on my feet, you know, recently. But there are some considerations to take into place if you're going to run a marathon in it. And just looking at the shoe there, that lateral cutout's pretty noticeable immediately. That I notice on the shoe a lot of times I they do put too. A, yeah, yeah, a lot of times they put a cutout in, and it's like, oh, okay, I didn't really notice it much, and it shaved weight off. But I will say, so the CLX one, very sharp rocker, very responsive two layer Piba midsole. I mean, this shoe is definitely a contender when it comes to racing shoes. But the one thing that I notice immediately is that lateral cutout. And so if you're running on a road that has some camber on it, or you're having to like turn on it. There's a couple moments where like I have a little bit of a divity motion on my ankle where it's like that was a little bit more than I wanted to. That felt like it could have been a sprain if I'm not watching my feet, you know, and I'm not going to say that makes the shoe not a contender because it just depends on the course. Now, if I'm running a very well groomed, flat, you know, predictable surface footing, I do like the CLOX1's responsiveness and I like the rocker ride. I think I can fall into rhythm on it pretty well. I'm going to choose that shoe for the marathon. But if I'm turning a bunch and I'm needing to watch my footing a little bit more, or maybe I'm in a, maybe it's a, even the field you're in, maybe like 
in this race, I'm not going to have that many bodies around me. In this race, I'm going to have masses around me. Then I might choose the Rocket X2 if I know I'm going to have to be watching my steps more and I'm going to have to kind of navigate turns or who knows. Some of these races do change footing where it's road and you have a little bit of a dirt section or a gravelly section or whatever, you know, or, or you're making a lot of U-turns. Um if I'm doing a lot of tiptoeing, I'm probably going to choose the Rocket X2. But if it's a pretty well-groomed course, I'm probably going to choose CLOX1. Does that answer the question? That totally answers it. So actually, I totally agree with you on that. And this, my experience with the Rocket X2 is I actually prefer it for shorter distances. So I think up to like a half marathon is where I would consider it. Um, your take on it being stable, it's definitely one of my more stable. It's like one of, if not the most stable of the super shoes for 2023. And I said that in a uh, stable, like a stable racing shoe uh, uh, video that I did. I really agree. I, one of the most memorable things that I used this for was when we first got it, uh, there was the Orange County Heart Run 5K that was down at the Angel Stadium. And the race actually went through Angel Stadium. Like it went like quick turns, like through, not through the stands, but through like the back parts where you're walking up and down. Lots of quick turns. The very end, you end up going on the actual dirt and on the field. And I was like, I am so happy because I was trying to choose between that and the Vaporfly 3. And I was like, I'm so happy I chose the Rocket X2 because the sidewalls, the wider base, the geometry just made it so much more stable. The one thing is though, it does feel a lot lower than a five millimeter drop, even though it is because it feels like, like you're almost like, like an earth shoe type. Just the forefoot just feels stiff enough, which feels great running fast. But if you're running a little slower, kind of getting over that can get a little bit old when you've been doing that for a while. So that's where the Cielo X1, I've had the same experience as you. It's like really bouncy, really rockered. The lateral um, bias at the midfoot obviously doesn't doesn't bother me as much as someone who needs that a little bit more of that. However, again, same thing for anything with like unstable terrain, I absolutely would not use it just because it's not it doesn't have the same kind of low not low to the ground isn't the right term but a little bit more the the rocket x2 is relatively more stable and grounded so i would take this yellow road the cielo x1 oh my gosh people i need to sleep more the cielo x1 would i would definitely be my choice for marathon i've got a ton of miles on this thing right now and it's doing really really good it's it's not the lightest shoe, but that's also why, again, that bounciness, the rocker makes it better for me for a marathon shoe and the Rocket X2 for shorter stuff. All right, we're going to do some training stuff. So Asics, the new Cumulus and Nimbus series just came out in version 26 for training. Which one, David, would you choose the Nimbus or the Cumulus with the newest versions? So I think I'm actually going to defer to you on this one. Okay. Um, I reviewed the Nimbus 26, but I I received a pair of the Cumulus 26. But as of right now, with how we have staggered our reviews, got it. I have yet to run in the Cumulus 26. I've been focusing That's on okay. other reviews. So yeah. um, it feels nice. I've worn it. Yep. You know, I, I don't mind ex- yeah. uh, you know rubberized DVA outsoles, but I can't yeah. speak for its experience on the run. Yep. So I'll speak to that. So I, I like both of them. The Nimbus 25 was such a massive change. Uh, not the Nimbus, the Cumulus 25 was such a big change that I the softer foam, it felt very different, very light. The newest version stays light, but it changed a lot of things in terms of the sole now feels firmer. 
much more rocker. There's a lot of toe spring, so that's what's really bothering me right now is the amount of toe spring, spring makes the shoe feel shorter than it really is. And so I've gotten some running, but no chafing yet. The one thing about this is it does feel good for up-tempo stuff. The slightly firmer ride, the cleaned-up heel where it transitions a lot better does feel much better for running a little bit quicker. But in terms of just pure comfort and training, the Nimbus 25 is going to win out. Just the amount of outsole coverage, it's got better durability. Asics, I know you wanted the fluid ride to be better, have better durability, but I'm still chewing through the outsole. And honestly, I, I kind of preferred the 25. The version 26 of the Nimbus, like to me, fixed a lot of the forefoot fit and taper that did a lot better. And I've really enjoyed miles on it. It's not meant for faster stuff when it comes to just getting daily training miles. The Nimbus to me is the the winner of this stuff. But if you wanted something with a little more versatility and speed, the Cumulus might be better. But for me, the the Nimbus 26 was is the winner of this one. If you're just getting clomping on miles there. All right. Any other shoe ones you want to throw in? Because we're going to do a couple of viewer questions. I mean, I would be curious to hear your thoughts on the experience. I mean, we can make it quick, but yeah, just because I forgot about it earlier and I, I feel bad about forgetting it. So I do want to revisit it because I do really like this shoe is the Rebellion Flash 2 and the Endorphin Speed 4. All when, right. where, why would you choose one shoe over the other one? And would you choose one shoe over the other one in all scenarios? I think for me right now, based on the fit and comfort, I'd probably I would choose the Endorphin Speed Four pretty much over everything. I think the Rebellion Flash Two has a lot more potential. It is so much better than Rebellion Flash One, which was stiff, clunky, and almost like hurt my feet. Um, Flash Two is much better. I just think I'm having a little trouble with that upper that kind of fits almost ironically like the original Rebellion Pro and the Repellion Pro 2 a little bit, where it's just fitting a little bit short and causing a little extra rubbing that does go away, but it just makes me concerned and limits its ability for long runs. So I personally would choose the Speed 4. However, I will give it that the Flash 2 does feel a little bit more snappy. The Speed 4 has a lot more bounce, and I really, really like that. But if you don't like that and you want a little more snap underfoot, that's where the Flash 2 has that a little bit better. It's also a little bit more trainer-like. I think the Speed 4 leans a little bit into that faster stuff. The Flash 2 just kind of feels a little more solid just because it's not a full Piba foam midsole. So I think those who maybe don't want that much bounce and want bounce want something a little more grounded, that being relative given the high stack, might do a little better than the Flash 2. But I'm picking the Rebellion, or not the Rebellion, yeah, the Rebellion Speed 4, the Endorphin Speed 4 over it. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. Uh, I actually don't mind the upper lockdown. It kind of has that strike, like that track spiky kind of lockdown, very snug. It does have some remnants of the Rebellion Pro 1. Um, and I feel like the ride has some resemblance of the Rebellion Pro 1 as well. Yeah, it's kind of like that highly rockered. They have yeah. that new midsole Energy Light Plus that they put on yeah. the top. Very bouncy, very responsive. The nylon plate does have a little bit of flex to it, but you're looking at a very rockered ride where it's kind of pitching you forward and it kind of wants you to stay in rhythm there. If we're looking at a well-groomed road race, uh, half marathon up, if I'm choosing between the two, that might be an opportunity where I might choose the Rebellion Flash 2 over the Speed 4. Uh, I feel like it works well for my mechanics. It really lets me get my legs underneath me. 
and I can kind of fall in rhythm there. And I know I kind of said that about the Mach X, where it was kind of the thing I didn't like, but it, what the Mach X didn't have in responsiveness to Rebellion Flash does, I feel like, where it feels like I could potentially race in this shoe if I wanted to. Um, so that is where I would probably choose the Rebellion Flash too. Now with that in mind, if there's any kind of like major changes in direction, whatever kind of races, like I think the versatility speaks larger on the Speed 4. Uh, and obviously traction, we didn't talk about it earlier. I have taken the Speed 4 through some trails. It did fine, surprisingly fine. <laughs> and it did pretty good. It's like, it's actually a pretty sticky outsole. So I actually have some fun with that too. So I think if I'm Socrates. really... Yeah. If you come out with the Endorphin Speed 4 TR, you have to send it to David. He has to test that. It's got to – I know you do that with some of like the Sakani ride and the guide, but you got to do a TR for the Speed 4 and send it to David. <laughs> but yeah, I thought He'll it was will for sure put it through its paces. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we, this is basically like Sakani Endorphin Speed 4 against everything else in terms of performance trainers and things like that today. But we're going to move on to some viewer questions. There's actually some good ones. I'm really curious with this one. So the first one is from uh, Mathieu, um, which running in the cold or running in the rain, which one do you choose? And what do you do for your choice? I feel like Like, would this, you go run outside now? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like this shoe – or this shoe, this this – Jesus, I need more sleep too. If, <laughs> if this <qu> – being on the West Coast – and both of us being from the West, I know Oregon is colder yeah. than California. Yeah. I'm more used to it. Yeah. We don't know cold, cold. We haven't yeah. run in that like zero-ish degrees, you know, everything's freezing around you temperatures. So yeah, even in Oregon, like the worst it gets to, like sometimes you'll see a little colder up in the mountains where I kind of grew up, but like worst you get is like 20 degrees, which for those yeah. who are on the East coast and Midwest are like, are you, are you serious? That's like a hot temperature. It like during, you know, spring or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's a relative, yeah. but anyway, keep going. So prefacing that cold for me is about 30 ish degrees, like 35 probably, you know, like if I'm thinking like, okay, it's cold, cold, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, normal Maybe that should be the 45, 50, probably. Um, and then, like, that's a healthy amount of cold, but I could still wear a short sleeve if I wanted to. Um, I think, like, cold for here, about as cold as it gets is about freezing, you know, so give or take 30. Um, and then rain, any temperature, right? So choosing between the cold and the rain, I... I think I'm going to choose the cold. I don't mind running in the rain, but it's the running in the rain without any temperature dependence. When you're running in a warmer rain and it's humid out and it doesn't feel very good and you're sticky and you're kind of trying to stay dry, like that doesn't feel very good. Um, if it's kind of like a light rain and you just put a, like a little windbreaker on and you go out there and you get your miles and that's fine. You know, like I think that's kind of more like your organ rain, right? Um, that's not too bad. But I think if I had to choose between the two, I could just wear a long sleeve and some tights and maybe some gloves and a beanie if I really had to and be fine in the cold. I'm actually going to have to agree with you on this. If we're not if we're not putting in specific temperatures, wet rise with rain, like running in cold rain sucks because then you've got 
not only are you getting wet, but then you're also starting to lose heat and energy just because it's so cold outside. And if I combine with the rain, those together are really rough. Warm rain, I absolutely love. Like summers and spring in Oregon are phenomenal when it rains because like, yeah, like I will shower afterwards, but you don't really have to because you're like you're getting cleaned off. It's like the air is that much cleaner. It's so much. It's already clean. But a warm rain, and my, I love those because you don't. You don't can know, wear a jacket. I was running in that Hawaii rain. I, uh, <laughs> that Hawaii is different because you have like a thousand percent humidity. That's not. I'm talking Oregon, but like, yeah, I guess if it's super humid, uncomfortable, that makes sense. But because the temperature is such a big factor with rain, I'm going to go with running in the cold because, like David said, you don't necessarily have to have a really special rain jacket or something like that and it's not temperature dependent you just need some solid gloves and usually you're going to warm up and again david and i our definition of cold might be a little different if you're talking to maybe nathan who comes on here lives in wisconsin or andrea who's on the east coast and they're going to experience or i guess bj right because sometimes texas gets super cold too um oregon doesn't typically get that cold even with our recent ice storm um and california certainly doesn't unless you're up near big bear or in the mountains so I'm going to have to choose running in the cold just because I feel like it's easier to stay warm without the factor of rain. And the way I do it is gloves are some of the most important things for me because my hands are one of the first things that gets cold. Um, I've had somebody suggest to me that potentially I might have some rain odds just because my hands in the cold have always changed colors. And it's very difficult for me to keep my ex- extremities warm. I probably don't, and I'm probably self-diagnosing incorrectly, so I shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my extremities tend to get cold really quick. So having those layers, warm socks and gloves are a must-have in the winter. That's like what I ask my wife frequently is, hey, for holidays, if, it's, if we're going somewhere cold, can you please get me gloves um, just because that really, really fixes it for rain. If normal temperature is not cold, I know I pick running in the cold. I, my favorite weather, by the way, is running in cold, sunny weather. I absolutely love that. When it comes to running in rain, you have to have the right gear. If you, if it's the right temperature, you really don't, you could, you just have to get through the first couple of minutes and just accept you're going to get wet. Cause no matter what you choose, I've run in plenty of waterproof stuff and you still get wet at the end so it's just getting to the first like 10 to 15 minutes and then once you're there and you're soaked you're like all right now i'm used to this now i can keep going it just kind of stinks what you get home but having good gear can be helpful i've just found that even like gore-tex stuff like that still doesn't protect me and i'm gonna get wet so the biggest thing to do for that is just accept you're gonna get soaked and deal with the first few minutes but at least like with running in the cold, you can stay warm. So that's kind of why I prefer it. But I don't have a problem running in the way- rain, the rain, the rain, unlike my wife. Like right now, Southern California is getting this supposed storm. And it, like, it rained hard for David. It's not raining very hard where I, where I am in Monrovia. And I would go out for a run right now if I didn't run 13 and a half this morning with a stroller. So it doesn't bother me. All right. So hopefully that answers that. Michael's the next one who says pacers or no pacers in races. And I have not run in anything fast enough, even when I ran in Elite Field in LA, to have this. So, David, I'm going to defer this to you. What do you think? Pacers or no pacers in races? It's a very interesting question. I think, man, I think it depends on what the goal is and whether or not you are in a position. Like, if the pacer is set for you, then it can be very good for you. If the pacer is not set for you, (laughs) that can be a very, very different story, right? 
Um, and it also depends on how experienced the pacer is and how they go about it. I mean, how many times have you watched a track 5K and then the pacer pulls away from the field and is looking oh, over their shoulder? Yeah. And they're just like, I'm running what was assigned, guys. You know, like, like where are you guys? I'm not. I'm trying to do my job here, and none of you guys are coming with me. And that happens a little less in the marathon, but it can, or half marathon, but it can still happen. And a lot of times you see people kind of going around the pacers and I don't know, I I feel like there's a place for them and I feel like there's a place without them. I do think like would Elliot Kipchoge have run under two minutes without the giant army of pacers on that day? Probably not. Wait, what did I say? Two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Faster than a two minute marathon. He ran faster than a two minute marathon. My goodness, we are both on... We're, we're both hanging on by a thread. <laughs> also not, uh, miles per kilometer, or is that? But like he probably wouldn't have, right? Uh, like I don't, I don't know. But I said his, miles per kilometer. Oh my gosh. That dude's mindset is crazy. You know, maybe he would have still done it. But I think mentally the pacers do take that load off. If you can just be like, I just run with them. That is my only job. If I just stay with them, I will run a good time. I will run the time that they are setting the pace at. And at some point they might pull off. Then it's up to me. But from a mental standpoint, it makes it a lot easier on you. And I can say the same thing on the track. I have had pacers on the track before in various races, whether it's a 1500 or 5k or something. And like, if you know, like, Hey, they're just going to go around seventies. Okay. Just go run with them. You know, like you'll be fine. Or, um, in the 15, a little quicker than that, but it depends on the experience of the person as well, because they are also human. And if they're yo-yoing, like let's say the pace, I'll just make it a different pace. Let's just say you're in a pace group and they say seven minutes per mile. And they're yo-yoing somewhere between 640 and 720, but the average is still around seven. Depending on how experienced you are with that pace change, that that, that can impact you, right? Like those swings can really play with you if you're not used to that. And so I I think there's just a time and place, and I think it depends on where you are in your own fitness and how comfortable you are with having someone else dictate the pace for you. Because some people aren't going to want that, and they're going to want to go run and execute their own race. They'll rely on their own watch, their own splits, and that's going to be much better for them. You know, and and regardless of what the pace says, and you could finish right next to that pacer at the very end, and the pace could have worked out perfectly, and you guys could have been not at the same place for most of the race. Like that can still happen. So I think from a racing standpoint, if you're truly racing, it's almost nice to not have the pacer. But if it's more of a time trial setup and you're just trying to get a time, it can be a really nice thing to have, assuming they're doing a decent job. This is ironic that I've not ever had to use a pacer, but I've actually been a pacer. So I paced uh, the CIM women's elite field for 245 several years ago, actually, when I just met my wife and she actually qualified in the same race, although she was ahead of me um, because I was supposed to run 245. So I think and like all of our training, I've been her rabbit and pacer. So I can I can understand it for myself. It gets in the way like I want to be able to run my own race. I think if I'm focusing on somebody else, it's just not something I've ever done because I've done so much training by myself. Um, But I can having been a pacer, I can definitely see how it'd be helpful. And I, I think I prefer being a pacer than having one, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you can so get a little really antsy sometimes behind a pacer where it's almost yeah. like 
like if the pack is running and that's the thing with racing in general, like most of the time, if you're not running 201 in the marathon, like the the race is going to be the race and everyone's going to kind of make the pace happen and there'll be some push and pull and there'll be kind of a natural pack that kind of makes it happen. I feel like for most races, you don't really need one. Um, if you're Kelvin Kiptum, I mean, there's only so many guys that can actually run that pace, right? right. Like, so <laughs> like maybe it's a little bit more important there, but I think there's a much more humble answer at the root of this where it's like, I don't think most people on this planet are fast enough to truly justify having a pacer there where it's like, are you on the diamond league circuit? Okay. Maybe you need one. Maybe, maybe it's nice to have that, take the load off of everyone and just follow that guy and then go to race in the second half. But I'm not running a 328-1500 or a 1250-5K, right? Like, most people aren't in that category. So, yeah. That's fair. I'd still rather be one than have one, but that's me. All right. Robert asked the hot topic of the night. I've been looking at this all the whole time. So, Robert's asking medial posts or sidewalls slash guide rails. We're going to include those things, two things together. You want to go first on this? Do you want me to go first on this? Yeah, I'll make it quick. I think it's just a personal preference on this one. Some people do like having that input of the medial post where you feel it there. And by feeling it there, you feel good about it. Maybe your mechanics like it just works for you having that proprioceptive input there. I have never really loved medial posts. I there's been a couple shoes that have been OK with them. But um, Saucony Guide has been okay, you know, like some of some of the stability shoes have been all right. But I feel like for the most part, the sidewall guide rail kind of setup has just worked for me personally a little bit more, having a little bit more guidance. Granted, I tend to prefer more neutral shoes in general. So by having some guidance, but it's not like jamming into my foot, it seems to work pretty well for me. So that is a completely outside of a what is quote unquote more stable argument, whatever, just personally answering the question, medial post or sidewalls slash guide rails. For me, I'm going to probably lean more towards the sidewalls and guide rails. So Robert, I'm going to try to answer something you didn't ask uh, because somebody actually asked this of me on YouTube somewhere recently. And it was like, do I dislike medial posts? And the answer is no. I think um, both of them have an important place. The reason I've been talking about sidewalls, 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 gosh, side walls and guide rails for so long is that having options is really important. If you only have one thing on the market, which years ago, you only had medial posts of various portions. Most of them were in the midfoot or the heel, or if you had the GT, I think it was GT 3000 or 4000. I can't remember which one it was from ASICs that actually had a medial post that went all the way into the forefoot. Um, that's different. Um, I know the Arahi has had a full length post for forever, but the goal was the my talking about this wasn't that I didn't think medial post worked for people. I think for certain people, it is a mechanism that can be very, very helpful. Again, who it's helpful for is a is a different story. I think it's a very small group of people that need medial support specifically for those with a history of pronation related injuries or just find them find that pressure really comfortable from like maybe a proprioceptive of kinesthetic um input 
I am with David where for the longest time, one of the reasons I started this website is I was like, hey, I'm supp- I was told and I worked at running stores and I was like, I'm looking at my mechanics and the thing that I was taught is I should be in this media posted stability shoe and a lot of these things aren't working for me. The, the light stability shoes all worked really, really well and a lot of them had posts. But it was just mild enough that it did just enough and didn't get in the way. Um, a lot of them also had like early versions of sidewalls and things like that because those have been around forever um, that also worked. And I found that having guidance works a lot better for my mechanics personally than having a medial post. I've done well in shoes with both. But the sidewalls and guide rails concept also works a lot better for my mechanics because and I don't like having something pushed into my foot. Some people really like that. Um I'm not as big a fan of that. I just want to be able to run and feel something stable underfoot without having pressure there. So for me personally, sidewalls and guide rails work better as an individual, but I don't want anybody to take what David and I said and be like, oh, well, medial posts don't work. They they work great for certain people. And I, th- I want to emphasize that we still need this in the running world. It's okay to have a medially posted shoe. I think it's also good to have some options to create the stable neutral concept or stability through sidewalls and guide rolls. That's also fine. I think also it'd be great to have a little bit more wedge stuff. The new balance Vongo series was like one of the few wedge shoes out there. I am curious because I'm going to be totally wrong on this, but it almost looks like the new hurricane from Saucony might have some of those concepts, but I might be totally wrong. The Vongo changed and it doesn't have that wedge concept that worked really, really well for people. And the wedge isn't a medial post. It's it's that concept, but your foot is kind of held in an inverted position. And some people, just because of varus and valgus positioning of their foot, work better with that. But again, personally, the sidewalls guide rules work better, but that doesn't mean we should get rid of it. It means we should make sure that we have options for people out there because if you take one thing away – then you've left a group going, uh, I have something I'm looking for. Where can I find it? So New Balance, I know the 860 is coming out this year. I'm not telling you to get rid of that post because it actually worked really well for a lot of people. If you could light that shoe up, though, that would be great like you've done with the other stuff. But yeah, Robert, that was a really long, long-winded answer. I hope that that answered that. We're going to do one more question that this actually might cause the most serious controversy. Uh, of this entire episode. And it's going to be our final question, David. This or that, pancakes or waffles? I'm going to go waffles. I guess there's no argument on this. Yeah, I'm definitely like waffles. I'm, I'm going to go down. waffles. I have a waffle maker. Waffles, I made waffles this morning. Yeah. I sent you a picture of I, my waffles. Yeah, I know. I have waffles. I have a waffle maker too. I put <laughs> like, I actually make waffles. I make egg waffles. I put like bread in it. Like I put all kinds of stuff I put made a cheese waffle the other day. It was phenomenal. So yeah, waffles. Oh, interesting. Hands down. Yeah. So yeah, I All just right. wanted cheese and I wanted a waffle, and so I made a waffle. Out I of mean, cheese. if you made it this far into the episode, I would love to see a second subjective there and just see <laughs> pancakes or waffles. I, I, I want to see the war. I want to see the. If you listen to us, I want to see the comment mayhem of pancakes versus waffles. I am invested. in Mispronounce this. basic words because we're exhausted. <laughs> If you made it this far, let us know pancakes or waffles. And uh, yeah. So, <laughs> can Elliot Kipchoge run the marathon in under two minutes? And is it pancakes wa- or waffles? And is it pancakes or waffles? <laughs> well, what also was the post trials like? What did you think about the shoe stuff? And but yeah, it's a long, a long week. So we hope you enjoyed that off the rails episode of this or that, comparing a lot of stuff to the endorphin speed four and some other random topics, and also the posting and stability concept. 
thing that, of course, went super long on. We always have these coming out. Uh, usually Wednesday and Sunday is where these get dropped. We're going to have a couple really cool episodes coming out. We've got some great stuff planned for this year, as always. You can catch us on any of the different classic social media sites, any of the podcast and YouTube stuff. So Spotify, iTunes, all the area you can find if you're listening to this on YouTube. On sorry, on uh, on the audio. If you want to see this, we do post these videos to YouTube. Every single week, usually the podcast gets posted on Wednesday and then the video gets posted on Sunday. We always appreciate any feedback and any ideas and stuff you want us to talk about too. What you're thinking, what you're you're having questions about is what we want to answer. So always feel free to reach out and ask stuff. We can always do this or that or podcast questions. Thanks for listening as always. We hope you have a great evening, morning, or whatever time you're listening to this.